0: Hello? Hello. Oh, could you hear me that whole time?
1: No, I, uh, oh. it didn't let me in till just a few seconds ago.
0: Oh, okay. Well, that was because you were in the whole time. And I, I could was? Just, I could. Yeah, I could hear you eating.
1: Oh. <laughs> That's so weird, it didn't tell me that I was in.
0: <laughs> yeah, I just heard you munching on chips for about a minute.
1: Yeah, well, I'm actually eating, yeah, I'm eating some Bojangles right now for dinner. <laughs> That's embarrassing.
0: <laughs> that's, that's perfect. Yeah. <coughs> so. It took me a while to watch this one. Yeah. Um, Because I watched it in, in a couple of segments. I broke it up. And it wasn't because it wasn't interesting, I just, the times that I sat down to actually watch the movie, I was just kind of not in the mood to watch a movie. Hmm. So I think I watched like a half an hour, and then another half hour, and then I just finished it. And that was over the course of (laughs) a two-week period, I guess. Yeah.
1: But once you finished it, you were like, oh man oh no good.
0: i I thought, oh man, the whole time I was just for some reason, I just yeah. stopped watching it when I did,
1: yeah, I feel i my attention span for movies has been getting like shorter and shorter for some reason, but I still. think I
0: have to be just sort of in a place where I have. You know, approximately two hours set aside and mm-hmm. I can't be thinking about anything else or the movie becomes sort of a sidetracked thing. Right. But I'm on IMDB, so
1: You wanna hit us with some of those juicy deets?
0: Yeah. So, when I was watching this, I couldn't place the time period. Mm-hmm. Um, just based off of like, I don't know if this was supposed to be made in a certain decade. Yeah. But what I meant was based on the, I guess, the 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 look and feel of the movie. I was trying to place it. And yeah. it it takes place in 2002, which I thought it was either 90s or early
1: 2000s. Yeah, it seemed kind of like 90s to me, but it makes sense.
0: Yeah.
1: And it's the prequel to Silence of the Lambs, I guess you, you figure out. This is like before the character of Clarice is on the scene.
0: Yeah. Do you hear that music? No. What is that? There's like music playing.
1: (laughs) Is it on your phone?
0: I think it's through the the app that we're using.
1: Is it like elevator music?
0: It it sounds like elevator music, yeah. Or if you were playing a Nintendo game, it's (laughs) what would be in the background.
1: (laughs) Maybe it's supposed to increase people's attentiveness.
0: I kind of want it to stop because I'm not feeling it. I think I have control over that. Yeah, whatever. So yeah, 2002, and I thought it was—I thought it had a pretty solid cast. Mm-hmm. Because I recognized at least. You know, five or six yeah, people.
1: Yeah, Harvey Keitel, Anthony Hopkins, um, Edward Norton,
0: Philip Seymour Hoffman. Philip Seymour that Hoffman, was, pretty big, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was a um, that was a shocker for me. Yeah, because I was like, oh yeah. <coughs> um, we'll get to we'll get to his character. I do have a question about his character.
1: Ooh. Sounds good.
0: But yeah, I thought the cast was solid, and I mean, Ralph Fiennes, or yeah, I don't know, I don't know how you pronounce his name. I've been mispronouncing it for decades. Yeah, because ever since he was Voldemort. Oh, was that on? Um, I was.
1: Uh, uh Doctor Chilton, or is it someone else? No. Oh, oh. The Voldemort was the bad guy. dollar high. Yeah, Francis Dollarhide. Yeah. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah, so he's he's very good at playing. He's very good at because he was also. Have you seen Schindler's List?
1: I've not yet.
0: He um. He's just very good at playing villains. Oh. <laughs> Let's just say that. Yeah. But um, I'm looking for some additional info. Oh yeah, so it was filmed in It's like So they actually did film some in Marathon, Florida Okay A bit in California which I guess is on a studio Most likely, yeah Something like that Baltimore, Mm -hmm. Maryland
1: Because that's where it was set a lot of the time
0: Yeah, DC
1: I guess FBI buildings and stuff
0: yeah, so that's yeah that that basically sums up the filming locations, mm. and this movie had a pretty solid budget of seventy eight million.
1: That was pretty pretty solid.
0: And grossed two hundred and nine million. So
1: that's like a almost three, yeah, three times return.
0: Yeah, nearly yeah, tripled. pretty good. So, that's solid, yeah. I guess. I'm not too well-versed in what a successful movie is. I think a successful movie is if you're out of the hole. Yeah,
1: but I think especially for <laughs> um, rated R movies. Yeah. I think this one was rated R, wasn't it?
0: Oh, most definitely. Because
1: yeah.
0: um, there was slinging wangs and...
1: Okay. <laughs> I don't remember that. I remember seeing... Uh, you could see the dollar hides behind a lot as he was running around his house there was floppy appendage
0: (laughs) in the in in a i mean you you would have had to been paying attention i was paying attention for it just because i was i kind of always check and see if they actually like show things Mm -hmm. um because he was running around his house naked at one point and i was like and the camera was lingering and so i was kind of paying attention for that just seeing like are they going to act are they going to like cleverly you know avoid showing this bit or yeah are they going to slip but i guess i guess <clears throat> i guess it's not too big of a deal if you see for a split second like a shadow of something
1: yeah But even Um, for other factors, it makes sense with radar. I think especially for radar movies, it seems like, I don't know, they don't seem to make as much as money because they just don't have as wide of, like, viewership, I guess, as, like, a PG-13 movie.
0: I suppose that's true. Because I guess the, you know, most grossing films of all time are typically not R-rated. Yeah. Like, Avengers, Avatar. Right. Those are accessible to everyone, yeah. <clears throat> which makes sense that they would because, you know, there might be some high schoolers that go see movies by themselves yeah. or parents that take their kids. Yeah. But typically R-rated movies are not going to be as accessible, yeah. like you said,
1: especially the, the like very dramatic kind of like psychological One's which I think Hannibal Lecter is a very psychological character, I guess, being like you know a cannibal.
0: Well, he also. Are you talking about his sort of demeanor and the way that he carries yeah. himself, or are or you like talking the, and the effect yeah.
1: that would have on the the viewers? Like, there's like genius well, he is guy. A,
0: he is a doctor. Uh, he's a psychiatrist, right. right? Right. So,
1: but he's nuts. That's what's crazy. he's like. I mean, as as a person watching it's like are all my are my are my doctors actually crazy you know like <laughs> but
0: i do think it's interesting that he can read people extremely mm-hmm. well his character can but i wonder how he would describe himself and i wonder if he has cuz i've only seen two movies with Hannibal Lecter and I've seen a couple of episodes of the show, mm-hmm. but I've only seen Silence and now Red Dragon. So, mm-hmm. I wonder I wonder if he ever describes... That would be interesting for someone to sort of have a conversation with yeah. him. And um, sort of sees if he has any opinions on his own Behavior,
1: yeah. I think he kind of sees himself. I don't know where I'm getting this from. Maybe kind of like evolutionarily, like an apex predator. I mean, think about like the fact that he like eats his victims, you know, and like he's he's he was mm-hmm. very offended. Like the people he would kill is usually like they offended his tastes in some way. Like it was like the for, at the beginning it was the the person playing flute off time and playing the wrong notes that offended him so much that he killed them and served them up for dinner like <laughs> like I think I that's think about there's a lot of arrogance narcissism maybe going into that yeah
0: I oh, don't know he's a very interesting character I love I love seeing him on screen it's, I mean I love seeing Anthony Hopkins portrayal yeah. of him <clears throat> I didn't realize sort of how he looked different but I went back through and was watching scenes from Silence mm-hmm. after this movie. Mm-hmm. And he did look significantly younger. I think they were made about a decade apart. But because I was thinking to myself when I was watching this, he I know this was definitely made after yeah. Silence. I was like, oh, well, he looks the same. But then I went back and watched a couple scenes, and he def- there. There has been some visible. Yeah, aging.
1: I think they did definitely use makeup or you know whatever to get him looking mm-hmm. pretty pretty close. Maybe some hair yeah, dye. Hair dye.
0: <clears throat> I think around that
1: same time, he might have been in the Zorro movie, um, and he was in Zorro. He was in the first oh uh, Zorro mask of Zorro is nineteen ninety eight. He was in the first one of those, um, but okay, in that I one, that, that one he has like white hair, so like. I mean, he's he's not, I don't know, he's, he's, I don't know how old he actually is.
0: I would guess 70s now, 70s or 80s nowadays. Yeah. But that's the reason why we have computers. Let's check it out. I'm trying to look it up, but I can't. He has 82. Oh, yeah. So, yeah.
1: He's a sir. I guess he was knighted. That's interesting knighted by Queen Elizabeth II. I guess she's been the only queen okay. of England in our lives, so that makes sense. <laughs> um, <laughs> 1993, he was knighted. So he did such a good job in uh, Silence of the Lambs. It's like, man, let's knight this guy.
0: I mean, I can see it. Cool. But I guess that does it for the background.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> um.
0: So... I'll let you take the reins from here, and we can just kind of discuss scenes that stood out. Yeah, they don't necessarily have to be in chronological order. Yeah, but let's not let's not screen scrub. Yeah,
1: I liked how we did that. We um, or I like how we did not do that last time. Um, yeah. So basically, you open up in the movie seeing Hannibal Lecter in action. Um. Really, only time you see him in action because he's in prison the entire movie, um, aside from the opening scene. But you see him at the symphony, watching them play. And then there's this flute player who they do a very good job making it obvious how bad this flute player is doing, and has, like, like the director <laughs> notices, like he notices, and he like, or Hannibal notices and he like winces like visibly. It's like how painful it is that this guy is doing such a bad job. Um, and he has all of the board members of the symphony over for dinner. <laughs> it's like, oh, we don't know. It's so sad that we're having to meet under these circumstances, you know, like this disappeared person and, and all that. So I don't even know if they come out and say that the meat they're eating is that dude, but like. I think it's heavily it's, implied. Yeah, he's like, because Hannibal, like his, his whole thing is like, he loves watching people eat other people unbeknownst to them um so that i think that was a very good nod maybe to silence of the lambs like like because i think you would have seen silence of the lambs first coming to see this movie you want to see you know hannibal doing his stuff because this is like the backstory you know for for that but um i guess uh, another observation then maybe you can comment on a few scenes but how the movie opens and ends i think is really cool because at the beginning, so after that dinner, um, you see Will Graham, played by Edward Norton, come to consult with Dr. Lecter on you know, a case. And as he's doing that, he re- realizes that Dr. Lecter is the Chesapeake Ripper who they've been trying to catch. Um, and then they fight and Dr. Lecter stabs Will Graham. Will Graham um, stabs him. So they're both like in rough shape um i think he shoots him too or maybe he just stabs him i can't remember i think he shoots him a few times um but then at the end of the movie is you have the same scenario except so hannibal lecter um counseled francis Dollarhide where to find will graham um and then will graham dukes it out with francis Dollarhide, and then they basically fight till the death um, and they're you know, shooting and stabbing each other and stuff. So I just thought that was kind of cool, where you're, you're beginning and ending the movie with these violent one-on-one like showdowns with the serial killer and the and Will Graham. Yeah,
0: yeah, I thought that was really cool.
1: Um, but yeah, that's that, that was probably one, I think one of the cool the coolest things was how they set the movie kind of in that frame. Um, and basically, they like get rid of the Will Graham character. He's on a boat, he's piecing out, and then. The very end, you're like, there's, or the um, Dr. Chilton comes to the Hannibal and is like, hey, there's someone here to see you uh, from the FBI, a young woman named Clarice. And that's like, movie's over. <laughs> it's like, oh, you know what's about to happen.
0: Did they, did they say they her did, name? did, yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: I, didn't re- I didn't remember if they actually yeah, said it. Yeah, I'm pretty it.
1: sure. But <clears throat> So, yeah, I, saw, but... I thought the beginning and end were like pretty geniusly, you know, developed. Um, it was developed around a yeah. book, too, you know, so like they have, they have really solid material coming into the whole thing.
0: Yeah. The the best movies are the ones that come full circle. Right. Sort of not just answer questions but give you that resolving yeah. feeling. So it's kind of like we saw I guess you could say that Will Graham's character was in the midst of a war on terror and he won the first battle and then it end with his final battle. Right. Well, I don't I don't know. I would assume dude needed to stay retired after <laughs> after this last encounter. Yeah. Cause apparently he had gone through something like that two or three times and then he was retired and then he came back as a consultant but got in the midst of everything yeah. again. I would hope that his wife was able to convince him to step down yeah. once and yeah. for all at yeah. the end of that
1: encounter. Right. So, yeah, so you don't... I mean, you miss the character of Will Graham, I guess, but also you understand, like, yeah, he's kind of out of the game now. Like, there's... It makes sense he's not... It's not just Will Graham and Hannibal Elector for, like, all three or four of the movies they have, you know. Um, yeah.
0: What did you think of Ed Norton's blonde hair? I thought that was a very...
1: <laughs> that's one of the reasons I thought it was, I guess, 90s, I guess, early 2000s, but, um... <laughs> kind of gave me some, like, Paul Walker Fast and Furious vibes. Um, mm. in, I mean, not, not really at all, except they're both, like, cop, you know, kind of people um, with bleached hair. But, um, yeah. yeah, I thought that was interesting.
0: It was awkward to me. <laughs> Did he? So, when he was in Hannibal Lecter's home mm-hmm. in the first portion of the yeah. film... Did he have just his normal brunette hair at that point? I think point? it was, I think I it was bleached remember. then, too.
1: So I don't think it was just a Florida okay. thing. Um,
0: yeah, that's what I was... <clears throat> I'm trying to remember yeah. that. Oh, that would have been, but, pretty.
1: I think, pretty cool, like, to actually make him look different after having lived in Florida for you know, a few years or whatever yeah. it was.
0: Yeah, like, maybe his his hair... Maybe he didn't dye it, but maybe it's more of just being in the sun all the time. He has natural highlights mm-hmm. or... I mean it was definitely bleached yeah. so
1: <laughs> maybe like a spray tan or something too.
0: <laughs> but it, it was it was definitely it was awkward for me to see Ed Norton that way mm. because I have a vision in my head of Ed Norton and it's not bleached blonde hair tan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so it was it was it was just awkward for me. Yeah. That's the only word I
1: can think of. Yeah. Um I think that's fair, but I guess the Florida setting, you know, is pretty, is important with, um, it's like his escape from that world. Then, you know, Harvey Keitel, FBI director, or not, just not director. Um, I guess he's Jack, Jack Crawford, like the criminal minds director kind of dude. It's like comes and recruits him for his help, um, after he's retired. Um, and like, in while he's in Florida, like the, there's a mid mid movie risk to, Will Graham's family, where they're back in Florida, and they like get his his wife and son out because they think, you know, he's coming for him because uh, Hannibal gave Francis Dollarhide his address um, in the classifieds of like the the Tattletale uh, newspaper magazine or whatever. Um, And then you're back in Florida at the very end, you know, for the final fight and sail off into the sunset moment. Um, But yeah, I think the I'm trying, I can't remember how early they introduced you to the behind the scenes watching the character Francis Dolarhyde. That's kind of cool. I think movies where you 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 see the bad guy uh, and like the good guy both in their own kind of like stories and worlds. It's not just like the the unveiling at the end. You know, it's like oh they knew them all along. It's just you know because um, I think the the Francis Dolarhyde character was pretty complex and uh, twisted.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> I thought, it, I thought it was an interesting introduction to him with sort of... They, they sort of tell us a little bit about his tragic backstory, if you will, right from yeah. the get-go. Yeah. Um, which I misread, I guess. maybe Maybe it says something about my psyche, but when I didn't know that when his grandmother was chastising him that he had peed himself. I thought he did something else. Mm. Because she was talking about his... I thought he had, like, a wet dream or something.
1: Mm.
0: Because she was talking about how it was filthy and how he messed up his bed. And um, you usually, I guess, associate, like, dirtiness with sex if, if you're going to sort of look at it a certain way from a, an authoritative parental figure perspective.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, the language might have been vague enough in that description to leave it open for both ways. But I think I, I inferred um, wetting the bed, um, especially in light of seeing at the end how
0: Yeah.
1: his uh, son, or Edward, uh, Will Graham's son, like, pees himself, and he uses that to distract um, Dollar high. But
0: also... I mean, I guess Ed Norton or will Graham read his diary, so he had more of a I guess an idea mm-hmm. of what happened, but you could just take it that any sort of i guess um, I'm trying to think of how to say this not awkwardly any emission from that area that yeah, you good would so maybe so I'm not going to rule it out. That's just yeah. my opinion. Yeah. But but um, maybe he did wet the bit, right. But that could just be what Will Graham's son did. And so he was just trying to play into that memory of Dollar yeah. Well,
1: as, as you but, mentioned, the uh, diary, that reminds me. I, I really like the opening credit sequence, how they used images of this diary scrapbook thing um, to basically tell the story of what happens between the time... Will Graham and mm-hmm. Hannibal face off in the beginning to when Hannibal's in prison and Will Graham's living in Florida. Um, yeah. I thought that was a really clever storytelling tool and strategy. Um, yeah. Just because, like, you know, you, it would have been really boring to watch all that happen. But then you, you get this anticipation, you're watching this, like, diary thing. And later on in the movie, you realize, oh, this is Dollar Hyde's diary. He was, like, keeping up with the trial. And he knows Will Graham. He knows Hannibal. <clears throat> like, he's a fan and stuff. So. I thought that was also really clever.
0: Yeah, and and newspapers play a huge role in the movie. Yeah, they do. I mean, you, you see a lot of movies where they might have an opening credit sequence similar to that mm-hmm. one, but it's just because the movie revolves around something similar, but it's not that, I guess clever mm-hmm. or like one of your yeah. it's not out of a particular diary yeah. like if you watch um i have national treasure on my mind because of harvey Keitel. Mm. but <laughs> because when he's not busy trying to arrest nick cage i guess he's i'm um, working with will graham to capture um the tooth fairy <laughs> <laughs> but but um like a national treasure because the movie revolves around documentation and um, legis- legislation and you know bills and things like that in the credits there's always you know a lot of writing in the background and calligraphy and parchment and all that sort of stuff but I, I think that this movie sort of took it a step further and was like well this is going to be a major plot um, I guess device or point is that this is we're not just telling you what happened in between. We're not just using this as a time to put the credits on the screen, but this is also a, a significant item in the film. Yeah.
1: Well, and with that, do you, do you want to talk about Freddie Lowndes um, now, since we're talking about newspaper stuff? <laughs> sure. Sure. Um, so his character is interesting, I guess. You see him introduced kind of like a jerk reporter, like invasive. You see what some of his, like, articles beginning in the in the diary of like him getting the close up picture of Will Graham in a hospital bed when he's like close to death, and all this stuff but he kind of comes across as like you know a little arrogant and uh nosy and the FBI guys don't really want to talk to him about the tooth fairy you know killer and and that stuff but so what what stuck out to you about that character
0: um <laughs> I wouldn't say much stuck out. Um, I would say that he played a a particular role that exists in in many films. As, like you said, the jerk reporter. Um, A movie that I saw recently, I think with you. Not recently, but in Mm -hmm. the last year, I guess. And it was... um, Oh my goodness! I forgot the name.
1: With the <laughs> reporter?
0: Yeah, uh, Olivia Wilde played the reporter. Oh, it was a oh, Clint oh movie. yeah. Um, Williams,
1: Jewel, uh, Jules. Yeah, it was Richard, Richard Jewell.
0: Jewell. Yeah. So, um, but I, I guess you know, there's too many movies to to list that have a jerk reporter. But I was thinking about Olivia Wilde's character and Richard Jewell too. Mm. Um, kind of cut from the same cloth but the, the thing that I wanted to mention about him, the reason why I brought him up earlier was <clears throat> when he was being attacked by Dollar Hyde, What was what happened did, did Dollar Hyde bite a tooth out of his mouth?
1: Um I couldn't I think tell what
0: bit, he he bit something out and spit I think, it on I think I think it was his
1: lips. His lips. Yeah.
0: Okay. Because I know they he had some special dentures that played some sort of a role. He
1: would like put them on when he was assuming the dragon persona, okay. I guess.
0: Okay. Because I didn't, I, I couldn't remember if they came back or not. The because he put them in at one point. Yeah but I didn't remember and and I think someone called him the tooth fairy one time yeah. or but I couldn't remember if he actually used them on people or if he you know bit into the women that he was assaulting when he was in the family's homes or or I couldn't tell if they came into play anywhere but I figured since he was called the tooth fairy and he had these dentures that maybe he might bite
1: People's
0: teeth out or something. Oh, yeah. But you think it was his lips? I think he bit his
1: lips off. I'm not 100% sure why they called him the Tooth Fairy, aside from the fact that I guess that he left teeth marks on some of the victims. Um,
0: oh, so he did? I couldn't I remember think, if he did I think or not.
1: so. It was part of his kind of like <clears throat> twisted sexual ritual after killing the woman of the families. I believe. Um.
0: Hmm.
1: yeah so it was interesting yeah so Freddie Lowndes jerk reporter he kind of I guess gets gets what's coming to him like also the FBI is <laughs> not super fair because FBI basically uses him and entices him to write this exclusive story to bait the serial killer into like you know being angry you know and I guess maybe they are slightly surprised when the killer comes after the reporter who wrote the story instead of Will Graham who was kind of like you know stoking the, the the fire um with the incendiary comments about how like i don't know it was about what was it dollar hide was impotent,
0: impotent or homosexual
1: or try, like trying to use some language to basically insult dollar hides um perception of himself right. um yeah and then dollar hide lights him on Fire and rolls him down a hill and <laughs> crashes at the foot of the building. So that's that was pretty crazy, like unexpected. You know, kind of move. Well, there. he
0: he was a liar, liar pants on fire. Yeah,
1: <laughs> so it's
0: it's, it's poetic. um yeah it's it's a poetic ending to a rotten person who probably didn't deserve <laughs> the fate that he um eventually came to. Yeah, Yeah, I thought it was interesting that he was kidnapped and attacked by Dollar Hyde um, instead of Dollar Hyde sort of coming after Will Graham. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, at least right away, because then you have the whole false bluff where... So Dollar Hyde is, is, of course, having a facial deformity with the cleft lip that's been repaired. He's sensitive about... He, of course, falls in love with, like, the one blind woman that works at the place he's at because she doesn't, you know, care, you know, what he looks like and, but he's still uneasy about her. But then he stages a killing of himself in front of her to like, you know, pretend to, to disappear and, and all that. So you think that's like the end of the movie. So he's killed Freddie Lowndes. Like you think he's going to kill the blind girl, but he actually just kills himself. Um, and then it's kind of just like winding down. It's like, wow, that was pretty, you know, pretty lame like, it's over. Um, and then figure out the the body that was in Dollar Hyde's mansion, that was all burned up, wasn't actually Dollar Hyde's body. Um, so that, I thought that was a good kind of plot twist, too. I mean, you might have seen it coming.
0: No, I definitely... Uh, I was kind of in the same boat. I, I, I... I could see that being the ending. Like, if they would have just ended it right after Will Graham is talking to I don't want to say the blind lady, but I don't remember her name. Oh,
1: yeah.
0: Um, Um. But they could have just ended the movie there, and I would have been like, that was a solid movie, because, I don't know, the, 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 uh, the serial killer who's obsessed with his becoming and the thing that he is wanting to be, he sort of decides to end his life so that he's not... I guess controlled by the dragon, right? So that the the um his significant other can live. I think that that would have been an interesting end, but I like the actual ending better.
1: (laughs) Yeah, for sure.
0: Uh, Definitely a twist, and one that I did not see. Yeah,
1: but so you walk in. So I think the FBI knows that he's alive, um, or like somehow the audience is made aware of it. Then you see Will Graham and his family in in Florida at their house. Um, his, the son goes inside to find something. like Then he walks. Well, s'mores. He yeah, <laughs> went to go get yeah. Which, s'mores. Yeah. I think the way <laughs> Edward Norton said it, it was like, s'mores. Like, he kind of brought out the hesitation yeah. apostrophe thing. That was kind of distracting to me just because I've only heard it s'mores, not s'mores. You know, like the, yeah. the slight thing. But, you know, while being distracted by that, you see that, oh, the sun's been gone a while. It's like, go see what's up. So he walks in the house and the mirrors are broken. And that's, like, the number one sign that the Tooth Fairy has come to town is that the mirrors are broken in your house. So this is, like, while, I guess, the FBI is calling, like, a very dramatic moment. Um, so I thought the way they, the way they like, made that suspenseful was um, pretty impactful with the, their whole kind of confrontation there in the yeah. bedroom at the end.
0: Yeah, and it's a good thing that Will Graham was teaching his wife how to shoot 30 minutes Right, yeah. So, the they, yeah, so
1: they in- made sure they introduced her being able to shoot a gun at some point in the movie, knowing that she would be, of course, shooting a gun at the end of the movie. Um, yeah, because in a lot of
0: movies like this, well, I don't know what movies are like this, but in many movies, you'll have an event where the main, I guess, badass, who you expect to do the killing of the main bad guy, they're put out of commission, and so it's up to the terrified, you know... Yeah, whoever's left standing. ...to to do the job. Yeah, whoever's left standing. And they pull off a miraculous headshot. Yeah, just like, out of nowhere. You know, right right to the center of the chest or something. And you kind of wonder where did they learn to shoot? Like, how would they be able to land a shot like that first try? Um, yeah. But I, I, I think that it was just a nice little point to have a 30 second scene of her practicing shooting with, with, um, Will Graham yeah, it just makes it at one. Point yeah. It just makes movie. it flow
1: better a little more like believable and, mm-hmm. um, and stuff. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I thought overall solid, I think, not necessarily a critique, but being, you know, a Hannibal Lecter movie, it was just a bummer we didn't get to see more of Hannibal Lecter. You know, like, he's, he's in prison yeah. basically the entire time. Um,
0: well, that's, having, that's the same thing as Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, but he temporarily Lambs. gets
1: out in Silence of the Lambs. Um,
0: yeah, I, I honestly, towards the end, when they were showing the scene where he is eating the fine food, yeah. I was almost... I was thinking, oh, this is going to be a breakout situation. <laughs> Just like I thought, they were going to note for note play it like silence. Yeah,
1: which I guess, that, yeah, that um, might be a little, a little too much, over, like overkill, you know, connection if it was, if it was done that yeah. way. And
0: also, he had to be in there to meet Clarice.
1: Yeah, because yeah, so. so, it had to tie them together there. Um, but mm-hmm. I mean, so yeah, so he he had to. stay. Yeah. so you, I mean, you had the stuff where he talked about like his memory palace. Um, I think he talked about maybe he didn't talk about some of pals in this movie, but, like, I me, mean, he said, like, you know, creepy, creepy things. So he's, like, playing, you know, both sides. He's helping the police. He's also helping the serial killer, like, get at um, Edward Nor- or get at Will Graham to get revenge. So, I mean, you get, like, the how, like, devious and smart he is and, like, pulling, like, the trick of, I don't know, press, like, pressing a Morse code something thing into the uh, the dial tone button on the phone to, like, hack the phone and, like, get a free call out, like, you know, so he gets like some of those, those. which I don't know if that's like a real phenomenon or if that was just like you know dramatized for the movie. Um, but it just like yeah, yeah I, I didn't,
0: know. I didn't know, I didn't know what was going on there because um, I didn't, I didn't know that. That just seemed so bizarre to me. I thought he was maybe sending a message to someone that worked at the hospital yeah. who was sort of acting as an intermediary between him and whoever he wants to talk to. But then we see him speaking on the phone. So I guess, like you said, he did find some way to hack it or bypass some kind of, I guess, yeah, safety measures or, or protocols they have so that, you know, their, their patients can't just go making calls to whoever they want to. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. But yeah, that was interesting. Which I'm trying to Google it right now to see if that's actually a thing. Like if people can hack, hack phones, or <laughs> are we able to hack phones that way? Hannibal TV read it. So, <laughs> so,
0: there was uh, some more like-minded people. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man.
1: Yeah, so it might, it might take a little long to read this, but it looks like other people are asking the question. Um, we might be able to figure out exactly uh, what, what's going on, if you... If you are interested in, you know, how to hack things.
0: I mean, since, since, uh, you know, rotary phones don't exist anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't think it's uh, too pertinent for, yeah. for either of us Yeah, to know. Well, there's this
1: old phenomenon, like, it's, it's, in summary, it's called freaking, with like a PH, um, that where you basically using and emulating certain sounds, you could work through like get through the phone thing a certain way, like make it glitch so that you could get free calls like international calls or so it's been a phenomenon on mm-hmm. some other shows like Person of Interest. There um you see Harold Finch do that with like a whistle in an episode. It looks like in the show Manhunter they might also um see. know if that's something think
0: else. that this institution that is holding Hannibal Lecter would know about
1: that yeah but
0: or or you think that they would not I, I guess they thought he was talking to his lawyer and I assume it's a basic human right to be able to talk with someone like that in private but for someone like Hannibal Lecter has he forfeited his right to privacy that's an interesting yeah, thought yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I mean, there yeah. might be, there would be many people that might argue that, but I mean, Hannibal Lecter is a conniving, yeah. um, very dangerous human being, so I'm I'm not sure that you should leave him unsupervised with something right. like that.
1: So I think that's kind of the point, no matter, no matter what you do, because Hannibal Lecter is so smart, so observant, so manipulative, he's going to figure out what you're trying to do. And he's going to figure out a way to turn that to his advantage. Like for example, in the movie they find this hidden note in his cell during a routine check. And then um, they take, so they've taken him out of the cell to do the check, but they know that if they keep him there too long, um, locked up outside of the cell, he's going to get suspicious and think that they found something in his cell. So they basically have like 30 minutes to stage like a a stalling tactic in the prison and to get the FBI like analytics people to get this note to analyze and then get it back to his cell. Um, which i thought was kind of like a cool sequence of events but then of course you have like the person who put it back who's cleaning up like didn't put his gloves all the way in his pocket <laughs> so, so it was like it's like <laughs> come on man like you were you were inches inches away um yeah. from being home free and uh so he's like okay so now he knows that they know about the letter and he's gonna like use that to his advantage so i guess like yeah, yeah
0: Sorry, what no, it's it's say?
1: like He's like the ultimate bad guy. It's like no matter what you do, mm-hmm. for as long as he's alive and he has his eyes and brain, like he's going to find a way to...
0: He's very perceptive yeah. and um, he's kind of like uh, Sean from Psych. Like he just, he notices yeah. things that other people wouldn't... Yeah,
1: he's the anti-Sean. And... <laughs> but
0: but yeah, who would who would be able to, you know, see some of the things that he sees... Um, he's, he's very much a a rare breed of, of person, but I thought, I thought, what did you think of that whole sequence with the, the newspaper column and we, we've seen this kind of thing in movies before, but I thought it was really cool to see how, I guess, the Tooth Fairy communicated with Lecter and, yeah, and, um. I mean, I mean, I think we've seen stuff like this in in mission Impossible and
1: yeah you, yeah um, using the technology or mediums of the time for codes and and things yeah books yeah books um, so yeah, I can't yeah, I can't remember all, all the details of what was what was the a, a cipher to it was I don't, I don't remember which um, book.
0: It, it was to it was to a book that I think was written by the guy that painted the, the red dragon and the. Oh yeah. It a William painting.
1: Blake or something.
0: Yeah. I think, I think it was a book written by yeah. him. Um, and
1: right. Which if we take a quick, quick, uh, aside. So that William Blake painting, that's what when we were watching. The, the evil yeah. dead. There's like this image yeah. of like the dragon beast, you know, kind of demonic looking thing. I think that was the same, that same William Blake painting in the evil dead, um, which evil dead definitely came way before. So I don't know if evil dead influenced the person who wrote that Hannibal Lecter book (laughs) um, to, you know, figure out like, Oh, what was that picture? Like that was, you know, kind of interesting or, um, or what, but there was, that was definitely just a, a connection. I don't know how famous the image is outside of like horror thriller movies. Well,
0: I don't think it was in the evil dead. I think we, I think you sort of said that there was an image in the movie that reminded you. It was of that in painting.
1: the in the journal. There was basically like a identical. Oh
0: yeah, mm-hmm.
1: like it was it looks like like a black and white version of the of the photo. It's kind of what it looked like,
0: like a sketch of of something similar. Yeah, at
1: least that's just kind of what it looked like to me. I yeah, don't know. that was yeah.
0: cool. Um, that was cool that because that was that was the last movie we yeah watched, so right? so I, yeah or, yeah so it's it's kind of funny that because when i saw this movie red dragon i was like i know that painting <laughs> i i just um i had just spoken about that with yeah, you so yeah. that was kind of neat how that happened yeah because if we would have watched this movie a couple months ago then that painting would have had no significance to me and i wouldn't have really yeah right thought much about it
1: yeah, and I think, I mean, people who watch a lot of movies and are, like, are familiar with the history of film will often spot, like, you know, influences or, like, the way shots are related or, you know, how the directors of movies might have been influenced to make their, you know, movies a certain way. But we're definitely not at that level. But I just thought that that was a kind of a cool coincidence yeah. that there was that visual it's like,
0: connection. like, um, have you seen Community? Yeah. It's like Obi, yeah. <laughs> who has seen every yeah. TV show and movie and knows all of the connections and references. Oh yeah, he's
1: he's my favorite character in that show for that reason.
0: <laughs> oh oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I think I think he's definitely. It's either him or or Chevy Chase's character, <laughs> <laughs> just because he's he's so vile that it's just kind of funny to yeah. watch. It
1: catches you off guard sometimes. It's cringy. Yeah. yeah, it's it's cringy, but
0: in like a very funny way.
1: Yeah. I guess that's the point. They're making fun of everything, you know, in that show.
0: Oh, well, he's supposed to be like the average of a baby boomer. I think. Yeah. Like he's just supposed to be all of the, um, I guess stereotypes that exist about that generation of person. They're just lumped into him, <laughs> and that's um the archetype for his character in the show.
1: Yeah. So yeah well, I think that's um I mean, that's all the i guess observations I, I had um in general for that movie um I don't know if you had anything else before we talk about rating or other things
0: No, I don't think so. I think we covered some of the more interesting aspects
1: mm. yeah
0: um but yeah i think i think um I think that about covers yeah it for me.
1: Well cool. I think it's your turn to go first for the rating. Can't remember.
0: Okay. So since this is not a horror movie, mm.
1: well I'd say it's not. I'd it? say it's 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 getting okay. it's like a little bit more gory than some thrillers, but it's not supposed to be like terrifying and shocking like a horror movie, I don't think.
0: Yeah. I I would say it's more of a a thriller psychological thriller maybe. Yeah, psychological thriller. So yeah so so we don't have to do the
1: the <laughs> yes, the own category thing <laughs> the
0: the two the two ratings um i mean just as a movie this one was very solid I thought the cast was pretty phenomenal the the story was really good i thought the the characters not not just the cast but the characters that they had to portray mm-hmm. they were they were good characters to begin with, right? So just the fact that you had people like Ed Norton, Harvey Keitel, um, Ralph Fiennes, and um, of course Anthony Hopkins, sort of pushed into those roles, it just enhances the experience. Um, but yeah, I, I would I would say everything considered, it's a very solid movie. I don't know what a ten is for me. I don't think we've sort of gotten to that mm. point, or if we've set a standard. Mm. But I would say this is a solid, maybe eight. Because mm. I, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to be grounded with my ratings. Right, yeah,
1: not just be. Just yeah. because
0: I don't, I don't want to be like, well, this is everything's a nine if it's a if it's a decent movie. <laughs> um, Because I don't, I don't know if I would ever give a ten, because I think ten just means perfection. Yeah, and I don't know if this movie was like I haven't analyzed it enough, but I think I think eight is very fair. It was a very solid movie. Hmm. Um, but that was the number that sort of just came to mind instantly when I was thinking about it. And so I'm just going to roll with yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. No, I think,
1: I think uh, as always our, our, our minds go to similar numbers um, for similar reasons. I think I would like, we're trying to avoid, you know, going to the half decimal point system. Um, I would almost want to give it like an 8.5, but I don't think I would call it an. Mm. you know, like it's, yeah. Is it really just one degree away from being a perfect movie? It's like, mm I mean, I don't know, like I said, like, we made observations about how it was very, like, well thought out, like, very cohesive story, like, we didn't really point out any, you know, glaring plot holes or things, like, great performances all around, um, almost a period piece of bleached hair from the early 2000s, you know, you had, <laughs> had some great, you know, cultural value, I guess, with that. Um, we had Philip Seymour Hoffman doing Philip Seymour Hoffman things, so, like, very, <laughs> very enjoyable i mean i'm with you solid eight if you don't if you're not into these sort of movies like i think that it would, you would that would bring it down for you like you'd be like you know this is sure is well made but this is like too creepy for me or this is you know uh-huh. so you, would, you wouldn't enjoy it so that's why you, almost i think for people who are fans of you know the thriller um horror genre um like more on our end would definitely rate this high um Maybe just, yeah, so eight with the, aster- the asterisk of if you're into that sort of thing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's good. Like, like I don't know if we've said a negative thing, and I can't tell you the reasons why it's not a nine or a ten. Yeah. But I think that eight is a fair ranking. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, on IMDB, it has a 7.2. Mm. Um. Which I didn't really, maybe subconsciously, I had that number in the back of my mind, but I honestly didn't remember that until just this second when I said that. But it seems like the general consensus is that it is, you know, seven, eight, in between there.
1: Yeah, I um, I'm with you. I like just yeah, no no reasons for not giving it a nine or a ten, but just um. Yeah, I don't know. I guess you you just know it when you see it.
0: Yeah. Well, that does it for Red Dragon. I suppose. It does.
1: So, yeah. so For our listeners, if you want to check this movie out, <laughs> um, we would Caleb and I would both recommend it, and we found it enjoyable to watch. If you're into that sort of oh, thing, oh, definitely.
0: Yeah, I would definitely recommend this with the asterisk asterisk. Gosh, I can't say that word. Asterix. As- asterisk. <laughs> yeah. Asterisk. That's close enough. If you're into that sort of thing, yeah.
1: Um. Sure. But yeah, so we'll <laughs> we will be deciding on the next movie that we watch and going from there. Sweet.
0: Till next time. Till
1: next time.